Hi, I'm Michael. I'm one of the pastors at Victory, and I'm also the missions director. As a church, we are committed to answer God's call to reach every nation. I hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. Happy Easter, everyone. I thank God for giving me this chance and this opportunity to share the word with you today. We're on our fourth week of our Salt and Light series, and we're talking about Jesus as the suffering servant. Let me read Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many as were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance. And this and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall sh- uh, shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told, told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord God. For this Easter celebration, Lord, we, we are forever grateful for what you did on the cross. Your passion, your life, your teachings, your word. Lord, the salvation you've given us, Lord God. The purpose you've set before us, Lord. Uh, the, 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 uh, the relationship we can enjoy with you. Lord, we are forever grateful for this life that you blessed us with. And Lord, as we celebrate Easter again, Lord God, this year, may your uh, 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 work, may your graciousness always remind us, Lord God, of your amazing love and blessing that you've given us, that we might be a grateful people and share and show that gratefulness even to a world that doesn't know you. Speak to us today, Lord, as we celebrate Easter as we look into your word, as we pray together, as we worship you together. In Jesus' name, amen. I find it interesting that what we choose to look at and what we choose to look for opens our eyes to see beyond what many see. Many of us could be looking at the same things but not really looking or looking for the same things. That's why they say to the skeptic, there is no proof enough. And to the believer, there's no proof needed. Both choose to look and choose what to look at. Even among believers that we look at, what we look at, And what we look for may lead us to many discoveries. It is my hope and prayer that as we have chosen to look at the scripture today, to look at our Messiah and his passion, may our eyes be open to the truths Jesus purchased for us to see, to experience, and to enjoy. One of the things that always one of the stumbling blocks for many to accept the reality of Jesus as the Messiah, other circumstances of his coming and his passion, what he had to go through in this life, is many times a stumbling block for those who are looking for a victorious Messiah. 
when they put that when they put the picture they have of Jesus in their mind and put it in the context of their expectations many times they get disappointed or many times they don't see the power of the life that Jesus lived they don't see the glory of his work they don't see the 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 importance and the value and the power that comes or that came because of the life and passion of Christ. We have read these truths and we have heard these truths and we've been told about these different truths for many years now for some of us and we've read it many times yet we miss so much many times as well. So today I hope and pray that we get to see more and more of Jesus' powerful, life-changing, and transforming truths. Let's read our text again, but this time from the Message Bible. It says, Isaiah 52, verse 13. Just watch my servant blossom, exalted, tall, head and shoulders above the crowd. But he didn't begin that way. At first, everyone was appalled. He didn't even look human, a ruined face, disfigured, past recognition. Verse 15, nations all over the world will be in awe, taken aback, kings shocked into silence. When they see him for what was unheard of, they'll see with their own eyes what was unthinkable, they'll have right before them. As we read the text earlier, and we reread the text in a new translation today. I want to highlight some words that caught my attention as I kept reading this text. And the first word I want to highlight is the word wise. The path that Jesus took, the scripture we read, was the wise path. Verse 13, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. Jesus walked the wise path. But this is the question. And this is the, uh, this is the struggle with trying to understand what Jesus had to go through and how Jesus had to live his life. Was it wise, as the scripture says? How, the, how can this be? Why is it wise? In a sense, in a real sense, God's wisdom can be seen in this plan. God's wisdom can be seen in the way Jesus lived and the way Jesus went about his life and the path that Jesus took as he was on earth. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says this, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Now this is talking about the Messiah. This is the messianic uh, uh, descriptions. This is a, the messianic part of uh, the messianic prophecies of Isaiah. And it's describing who the Messiah is. And as I was reading this, uh, I was working on this, I happened to come across watching a documentary about powerful people coming from the ranks, coming from the bottom 
uh, practically nobody is becoming the leader of their nation. Rising from the bottom to take over the nation. In, and, they, and it seems like these people who rise from the bottom, when they get to the top to stay there, they have to legitimize themselves. And especially their heirs are the one that's supposed to take over from them. They have to find a way to show to the people that they have pedigree, that they deserve to be in this position, that they're trained well, they're well-mannered, they're respected, they're powerful. They, 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 they grew up the right way. They have to legitimize themselves and to show how amazing they are. But on the other hand, when we see the Messiah in the scripture, when we see supposedly who the King of Kings would be, Jesus our Lord, he's described in the scripture we read as somebody who had no former majesty, that we should look at him. He didn't catch attention. The way he looked and the way he came did not demand respect. He would never be picked. He would always be ignored or bypassed. No beauty that we should desire him. That's what the scripture says. He would never be wanted. He will always be rejected. Scripture says he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief and despite and despised. Sounds like a life without provision, a life without victory, a life that's always oppressed and bullied. A life nobody wanted or appreciated to be around. More, he, in a sense, when you read it, he's more than rejected. They wanted him hidden, never to be seen by them again or anyone else. Think about what the Messiah had to go through. Suffering without sin. And then this is Holy Week. And now that we celebrate Easter, this reminds us so much more. We remember, we, we take the time to look and relive and see the passion of Christ again. He, he, we realize that he suffered without sin. He was beaten without fault and crucified even without a crime. How can this be? How can this be supposed to be the path of somebody who's supposed to be victorious? Somebody who's supposed to be powerful? This is not an encouraging path to take if you want people to eventually follow you. Yet God says this is the wise path, the wise way. The truth is, this is amazing wisdom from God. Why? Because it was only God who understood the real issue, the real problem of our world, the real problem of man. See, God knows that power was not the issue. It was sin. And when sin is present, sin always abuses power. So the abuse of power is not an issue of the abuser. It's really an issue of sin. Poverty was not the real issue. Sin, again, is the issue. Why? Because greed always destroys everything. Significance and value was not the issue. Sin is still the issue. Why? Because sin always devalues and destroys the image of God in anyone and everyone. God knew the real issue. Therefore, He alone knows the right solution. He alone could decide what is the wise path. And He said, 
the path the Messiah took, his coming, his life, his ministry, his passion, his death on the cross, and eventually his resurrection is the wise path. If we don't know the real issue, we will always miss the wise solution. The world says the lack of money is the problem. So the world, as the world believes that the lack of money is, problem, is the problem, you also see, therefore, the world's solution is to do everything to get money and eventually destroy the world and destroy each other. The world says fame is the answer to value without knowing the real issue. So the most famous many times in our world are the most lonely and the most restless. God knows sin is the real issue. Therefore, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Scripture says that the passion of Christ was the wise path. Secondly, I want us to see the word see. The word see. As as we look into this word, I want to ask a few questions. The first one is, what did God see? See, the Jews stumbled with the coming of the Messiah because they couldn't see his life as the Messiah because their expectation was very far from the reality of their problem and the reality of God's solution. But here in the scripture, we see God say, He shall be high and lifted up. He shall be exalted, the ESV says. The Message Bible says, exalted, tall, head and shoulders above the crowd. While the world, while the Jews, while everybody else saw the Messiah as defeated, bullied, uh, 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 taken advantage of, broken, powerless, God says, I see him. He's exalted. He's going to be lifted high above anyone and anything in our world. All this suffering, all this, this difficulty, all the trials, the beatings Christ went through, our Messiah went through, was just, the, uh, was just part of the path. Just part of the journey towards God's plan. God was looking at the future. God was looking at his plan. God saw his victory. The next question I want to ask is, what did they see, the Jews or the others? What did they look at? They looked at their nation. They looked at their circumstances. They looked at their poverty. They were looking for a powerful leader to defeat their oppressors. So in Jesus, they saw defeat, insignificance, and suffering rather than a Messiah. They saw false prophet, a false Messiah. They could not see a future. Neither could they see a plan that was working out for them. But the real important question is this. What do you see? What are you looking at? Today, we can look back from history. We can look at the past and look at history. We can look through the prophecies, the fulfillment of each of the prophecies, the 300 plus prophecies, the fulfillment in Christ, the miracle for that to be fulfilled. We can look at the word of God that God has given us. And we can also look at the future and see and ask the question, Lord, what do you have planned? As we look into the word, we can also look at the future from what the word declares and what God says. 
the unveiling, the establishing the sovereignty of God and His plan. Today, we can actually choose to look at. Or, we are, or the question is, what are you looking at? Are you looking at history? Or are you looking at the truth of the Word of God? The truth of salvation, the truth of the Messiah, the truth of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Are you looking at an inspiring story? Or are you looking at a transforming gospel? Remember, it says that the, that the gospel is the power of God to them that believe, to them that choose to look at the gospel rather than just the story. Are you looking at the reason for religion or the cause for relationship? Are you looking at the path to success or your way to God's purpose? Are you looking at the path to become rich or are you looking at the place of God's wealth in your life? Are you looking at the path of, of the fight or are you looking back from the victorious place God has put you and placed us in. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord? Or are you, looking at, are you just looking at history? Are you looking at the blessedness of a relationship with this Messiah, with this Lord, with this, with, with, with this Savior? Are you, looking, or are you just looking at rituals and morality? And, and living up to a certain standard. Last word we want to look at is the word understand. The word understand. Jesus said, the gospel or the scripture we read said, this is the wise path. The challenge is, are you looking at the wise path? Or are you stumbling? Are you offended? Are you being hindered because it doesn't seem to add up the way you think it should. Are you looking at the Savior? Are you looking at the Lord? Are you looking at His passion, His resurrection? And last, the word understand. Verse 15. So shall He sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of Him. For that which has not been told, them they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Nations all over the world will be in awe, taken aback. Kings shock into silence when they see him. For what was unheard of, they will see with their own eyes. What was unthinkable, they will have right before them. The two, trans the two translations we read says they will be in awe, they will be speechless. When they see and when they understand what really happened. They can't say anything. Their mouths shut. That, that, that's what they tell you. shocked in silence. They will be ah, surprised. All of a sudden their eyes will be opened and they will see things they've never seen before. That which they did not hear, they will understand. What was unheard of, they will see. The impossible made impossible. That's why impossible, as they say, is just an opinion. What was unthinkable will be right before them. It's almost like, whoa, people will be so in awe of what 
what God had done. When their eyes are finally opened, it's almost like no way, no way, it can't be this way. I can't believe it. I can't understand it. I don't see it. But when their eyes are open, they're just shocked to silence. The wise path will be clear. This path was not defeat. This was victory. This path was not a power play, but the path to real life-changing, life-transforming power. This path was not for the doom, but the impossible made possible. Verse 4. Look at this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This seeming crazy, unbelievable, no way path that Jesus took to come to us, his years of ministry, his passion, his cross, his death, and eventually his resurrection was the wisest, most powerful path to destroy sin and sin's power and sin's hold on anyone and everyone. Think about this. Jesus brought and bought grace. His grace which brings forgiveness and beyond. Think about the forgiveness. No record of wrong. Instead, you're justified. You and I are justified. We're made right. So the death and resurrection of Jesus did not just, uh, did not just forgive our sins. We were made right. We did stay the same. We were made brand new. We were not just, uh, we were, we were not just saying, uh, God did not say, okay, I accept your mistakes. I live with your mistakes. And I even, I see in a real sense, God says, I forgive you and I will transform you. Made right, reconciled, adopted to God's family and entrusted with his purpose. What an amazing thing Jesus did on the cross. Jesus brought peace, which brings wholeness. Peace means nothing missing, nothing broken. Peace in the midst of a storm. Peace right in the middle of war. And even at the end of our rope, peace beyond understanding. That's why even in this difficult situation we're in, because of the passion of Christ, because of Easter, we can have peace. We don't have to accept stress. We don't have to tolerate anxiety because Jesus paid the price so you and I can have peace. It's our choice. Will we look at the anxiety or will we look at the peace or the Prince of Peace? Healing. Jesus brought healing. No more brokenness. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, even physically, fully paid. It is a gift. It is never earned. The Bible says by His stripes. The text we read or the scripture we read, but by the stripes. Of Jesus, we are healed. 
the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His stripes, we are healed. Every stripe, every whip, every lash that Jesus received on His body was payment for your healing and for your health. We don't have to tolerate sickness. We can stand by faith and pray and say, God, I thank you for health and healing in Jesus' name. Provision. Jesus brought provision. I hope we get to understand this. I hope our eyes open to every one of this. Grace, peace, healing, provision. The kings, in a sense, the, the scripture says they'll be in awe. They'll finally understand something about someone they rejected. Jesus brought provision. Scripture says, He who was rich became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. No more lack. Everything you will ever need to fulfill God's purpose is already provided for. Your purpose as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a servant, as a business owner, as a soldier, as an athlete, everything you will ever need to fulfill the purpose of God has been provided for. Think about this. This God of ours, the sovereign God, our King of Kings, came down and limited himself from being unlimited. He put himself into a place of limitation so that in his poverty, we might become rich. Provision. Jesus brought purpose. Salvation from a garbage life. John chapter 3 verse 16. Remember that? That he who believes in him shall not perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish. That word perish means it means it was a place of pagan worship Gehenna then eventually it became a garbage dump it's almost like God telling you he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to save you not just from your sin to not just to save you to go to heaven but to save you from a useless garbage life purpose Jesus brought purpose you no longer have to live this world aimlessly, without reason, and without significance and without value. Because God gave you His purpose. Jesus displayed and brought His love. But God shows His love for us that why we were still sinners, enemies, and rebels of God. Christ died, paid the price that it's totally out of this world expensive for us. Think about that. Your sin, the penalty for your sin, the price for your sin was so expensive, only Christ could pay for it. And He did. What does that say of you? That makes you priceless. So whenever you put a price on your life, you just end up cheap, cheapening yourself. When you, uh, when, you just, when you just put a, a price, a, a goal, 
to describe and to, to, to define who you are, you actually cheapen yourself. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't have goals in life, but I'm saying is don't attach your value to success. Don't attach your value to your accomplishments. Don't attach your value to anything you can do and more of the things you can do. Because when you were nothing, when you couldn't do anything, Jesus already paid the expensive, priceless price for you. Don't cheapen yourself. The life of God in you and for you is not just for heaven. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see this truth. We're not just called to be forgiven of our sins so we can go to heaven. God, God paid the price so that his life can live inside of us. The life of God changes, transforms, and empowers you in life today. Easter was a victory over sin all its curses and its power that we may receive and experience the life in God's and that we may be able to experience and live in God's abundant life. John chapter 10 verse 10, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have, have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Wow! Easter is a reminder. Easter was the milestone. Easter was the door that opened wide. The veil was cut in the middle. No longer will God's people be stopped from coming into the fullness of the experience of the life of God. No longer shall we be limited to what we can do. But now in Christ, we can experience the fullness of God has prepared for each one of us. Who would have thought that the most powerful sovereign taking the life and path of a servant will bring the answer to our greatest impossibility? Wow. As we close, when you choose to focus on Christ and His passion, you will understand the wise path and experience the life of grace he paid for you. Let us pray. Lord, I pray, Lord God, for everyone. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would open the eyes of our heart that we might see the wise path. That we might respond to the grace you've given us. Lord, that we might understand this life that you've given us, Lord God. That this is not just a life that will kick in once we die and, and live in eternity. But the life you gave us is the life inside of us. And this life can empower us to live right here in the quality, in the purpose, and in your will here in our world even today. Lord, open our eyes and an understanding to the power of your gospel. Lord, as we celebrate Easter, open our eyes and an understanding to the fruits, to the benefits, and to the gifts you've given each one of us because of what Easter has accomplished. Lord, we are forever grateful to you. Lord, we can never repay what you've done. Only receive it. 
be grateful for it and worship you because of it. You are worthy of all our praise. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for the salvation you've given us. Thank you that your very life lives in us, through us, for us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. You can visit victory.org.ph to find a church, join a victory group, and give online. Thank you for partnering with us in discipling the city, the nation, and the world through your generosity. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.